This is Philosophy versus Improv, where two sages try to teach each other a thing or two, and maybe you, the audience, get something out of it as well. My name is Bill Arnett, an improv wizard curious about philosophy. I'm Mark Lintemeyer, a philosophy nut who's cuckoo to learn improv. And today we're going to do just that, as we've done in prior episodes. Uh, we have a topic for the other person, one improv-related, one philosophy-related, and we'll see how they collide, carry them off each other. This is not formal. It's going to be very informal. We'll just kind of chat back and forth and, and have some fun and make a little game of it, see if the other person gets our topic. But that's, that's it. If you're, if you're an old regular, you know that already. So I don't remember who started last time. I, I started last time. Okay. I remembered. Well, I started last time. I guess I would just like to throw out the general area of philosophy that I would like us to be in, that, that I will invite us to just start a scene, maybe, that will get somewhere into this. But it is in the area of tastes, of beauty, of positive evaluations, generally. Okay. Do you have a, a scene with those things in mind to express your interpretation initially of that vague cluster of concepts? I, yeah, I can. We, can. we can try this. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Let's begin. Hey, Pop. Pop, you got to check out this, this song, dude. This is awesome. I just got this new download, this MP3 from this new band, the Screaming Banshees, and it's awesome, and you got to hear it. I think it's awesome. So I got to put these uh, white things in my ears to hear this? Well, they're headphones. They're headphones. You know what headphones... You you probably have... Headphones are big. They they go over the top. They cover your ears. They're... Ugh. These are little little nuggets. I don't understand what, what you kids today... What you... I mean, if you have your own, that's fine. But I mean, just like... All right. Please listen to so, the song okay. I like. Please okay. listen to the song I like. All right. So don't make it too loud. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it... I'm going to put it in. Okay. All right. Give me a second. You can adjust the volume. I don't... Okay. Is this is this on? Is this? Yep. Is that what they're? It. Yeah. They're. I don't understand what they're trying to say. They're all like yab dab dab baby. What you say? I gotta take this out. This is. Uh, I think this might be a load of garbage. <laughs> Dad, look. No, it's this is the music. This is the music I like now. Okay. All right. This is the music post post Euro emo punk. Okay. And it's an emerging genre, all right? And it's angry about sweet things, okay? And if you just took the time to listen, I think you'd like it. I think you'd like the rhythms. I think you'd like the music. So I thought I understood some of the lyrics. Let me just put this back at you, see if, see if this is what was actually being said, because I couldn't even believe my ears. It was like, this bowl of grapes is so beautiful. Yeah. I want to fuck them. What is that? Yeah. Is that a comment about different types of... Uh, it seems if something is beautiful, you like it just because it's beautiful. You just want it on the wall. If you want to fuck it, it's something else. And why grapes you'd want to fuck, I don't, that's beyond me. You're thinking too much, Dad, okay? You're thinking too much, okay? It's just music, all right? And if it makes you dance, it makes your body move, and the sound is cool... That's a pretty thrashing guitar riff, you gotta admit. You know, what? I don't... Why is thrashing something to be appreciated? I, something that is beautiful, like what was being described there. The bowl, those paintings with the bowls of fruit and yeah. the beautiful grapes. What, how is this like... It's talking about that, but it's like it's spitting on the grapes. It's like... You know what? 
It's, you know what? It's getting its jism on the grapes. Literally, they talked about that in the next verse. That's disgusting. It's That's your disgusting. music. What are you even... All right, Dad, here's the thing, okay? You don't like it because it's not your music. It is a response to your music. It is a shot across the bow of all that 90s alt-rock that you loved so much, okay? And it is it is a response to that, and that's why you don't like it. That silver chair, they knew how to swing back then. I mean, that, that old, old-timey 90s music, that Weezer, they were singing about okay. really intelligent stuff, and this, uh, this sounds like a load of... Yeah. So what, how is that a reaction to that? In that that was good and this is bad. And they're saying what you thought was good is actually, we hate you and we want to upset everything that you hold dear. And so we're going to just jizz all over okay. it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Okay. If you're going to be gross. Okay. But I bet you had a conversation with granddad about his love of sixties uh, jam rock. Okay, and I'm sure that you didn't like that, and you probably dragged you to some Allman Brothers concerts, and they were singing two and a half songs an hour. Okay, and you probably hated that too, and that's probably why the punchy, quick '90s style appeals to you. Okay, and this is the music that I like now. So I see your point, but I think that the stuff that I grew up with was uh, dialectically related to the previous stuff. It was a response. And so that I can actually appreciate both now. I can see how the Omen Brothers thing was actually pretty good. And the short, punchy songs was actually pretty good. But this thing, this is just like saying, I'm not playing that song game at all. We're throwing that out the window. We're just going to turn up the screw. Are they? Was that entire thing played above the nut on the guitar, just those strings above where the part that you're supposed to play, it goes, shling, shling, shling. that's all I heard. It's all digitally recorded and digitally processed and auto-tuned and beat controlled, okay? Because we can do that now. That, that can actually happen now. So that's cool, okay? What's, con- what's cool about controlling the beat? The beat should be wild. The beat should be all over the place. The beat should be come out of your soul, not out of a, a computer. Okay, you know what? I, sorry for asking. Sorry for asking you to take an appreciation for what I like and to turn I like what I like. I'm sorry. I'll just go to my room and do my homework and listen to my own music. Okay? No, you know, I, I don't want this to be a missed opportunity. Can you explain to me the thing? I think it was, so it was right near the end where mm-hmm. it was this loud, cacophonous, I think it was an, the guy was actually having an orgasm is what it sounded like to me. But you're saying that this is a logical reaction to the music that I liked, which I guess was not forthcoming in showing its its glee at its own accomplishments. Is that what was going on? It, it was, yeah. The Smashing Pumpkins are stuffy and boring and safe, okay? Safe. So introducing pitch control, introducing controls actually makes it more dangerous, you're saying. Wait, I mean, who's making the music? Everyone's making the music. It's not just the musicians making the music. It's everyone in the booth and in the studio and the, and the managers and the producers and the A&R people, you know? Everyone's got a hand. Everyone's got a hand. And that's what's so magical about it, okay? And if you don't understand, that's fine. But I'm done. I think I'm done. I guess one more thing. 
Do you actually want to fuck grapes yourself? A, gross. No, it's a metaphor, okay? A meta- Maybe you've heard of metaphors before? All right, really, then that puts my mind at ease. You, you enjoy what you like, I, I will like what I like, and as long as it does not translate into uh, depraved behavior, as the music would suggest, then I'm okay with it. Maybe uh, we can revisit this another time. Run, 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 slam. That was my sound effects, my sound effects machine of me running away. Thanks, son, for sharing your sound effects machine of you running away. <laughs> and scene. Well, that was uh, some vivid uh, characterization. Mm-hmm. And in fact, your characterization, which I very much enjoyed, goes right at what I had to say today. So translated a little more. Well, it's this whole idea of why should we make vivid characterizations? Well, in this case, it would have been something to explore. It sounded like from my initial approach that actually your grandfather at least, or why this character, you could have gone into the backstory of why apparently this character Tony Randall-like had a child at age 80. That guy was salty. That was a real salty dad and probably some kind of stevedore or something, but uh, yeah, it was salty. You orienting him in uh, Mm -hmm. 90s music, that was then enriching. It was a change in, had to change direction a little bit. Well, yeah. And it's also the music that I know. So it was, you know, there's a, a, a dumb thing in improv. Not a dumb thing, but just like, you know what you know. So I'm going to get what I know in there. I'm also wondering why I felt that an, an old person or anybody expressing the senior end of the generation gap would have to be some sort of New York stereotype. There's something about in comedy history about old men from certain areas. It informed your voice, your vocal choices, your word choices, and maybe some of your attitude as well. That was fun. Now, aesthetics, you've got some kind of aesthetic thing going on, and I'm going to presume that the ancients have had something to say about aesthetic. In fact, wasn't aesthetics the name of some Greek philosopher's book? Uh, probably. (laughs) Are you Googling it right now? I mean, For everyone at home, (laughs) Mark is looking away from the camera to... (laughs) Presumably a computer screen. (laughs) Aristotle's is the poetics, but it totally could have been that. It definitely comes from similar old-timey roots. And in fact, an objection that I've heard from more recent philosophers is maybe we should just call it study of philosophy of art, because aesthetic has to do with the beautiful in particular. Okay. And it does kind of assume that, well, the whole point of art is to aim at the beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm which I think we were getting a little bit at, that rock and roll's answer to that is... Ugly. Well, if you're going to call that beautiful, yeah, you got to somehow expand your notion of what counts as beautiful. Beautiful seems to have something to do with symmetry of form, Mm -hmm. with what they say the most beautiful people are, those that have completely symmetrical faces. Is this still a debate in philosophy? A lot of the classical work, so there was something I referred to in there, yeah, actually, let me just ask you a question related to this. So wh- okay. what do you think is the relationship between I think that's beautiful and I want to, I desire it. I want to eat it. I want to have sex with it. I want to. I think there's probably a relationship between those things. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense as an animal that we would be, if we think about, was it functionality theory? The idea that everything about humanity had some purpose and at some point, and at some point, this version of humanity won the Darwinian struggle. So I think I may have even mentioned the idea that when it's rainy outside, everybody just wants to curl up and read a book. 
And at some point, there must have been some cave people who like, oh, I don't mind the rain. We'll go out in the rain all the time. It's no big deal. Well, they all died. They all got sick and died. And now we're stuck with these things. So, yeah, when cave people looking for food to eat, cave people looking for to procreate or anything to hold their society together, I can definitely see a cat smells something and gets interested. What do we call that in, in humans? What do we call this peaked interest? And we could call that peaked interest beauty or art. I don't know. But, but something grabs our attention, something holds it. It could be because it smells yummy or looks matable. But whatever's happening inside of us, that thing, I think we could probably safely call that. Well, that's beauty or yum or... So I do want to put a pin in your perhaps overuse of evolutionary <laughs> biology uh, explanations sure. because it is very possible. I go to it a lot. I go to it it's a lot. It's possible that a lot of stuff that we do were not necessarily selected for, but there were free riders on other things that were selected for. If you very possible. Okay. So in other words, very like, possible. People have even thought maybe most of our conscious cultural life might well be a free rider, right? There was something about we had to have better visual acuity to throw the coconuts at the lion's heads or whatever to keep them away from us. But along with that visual acuity, along with getting fingers, along with, you know, a number of other things, we just then rolled into a bunch of stuff that might actually be yes. counterproductive to our survival. Maybe in, we are actually doomed by yeah. <laughs> our over-reliance on consciousness. Yes. Our big stupid brains. Yeah. There are some people, get this, whose brains tell them not to get vaccinated against COVID-19. <laughs> now, that is probably, again, a holdover. That may have been useful at some point, but it's not useful anymore. And, <laughs> so there's a figure in ancient philosophy. Plato talks a lot about the beautiful. He doesn't have sure. a book called the aesthetics or anything, but it is very much not specifically about artistic merit because the beautiful just ends up being like good actions, good people, good, like the spiritual in the broad okay. sense. But I think that is like the reason you would have that is a reaction to a dialectical response to, you could say, to what you're describing that people might have pre philosophically just like whatever I like, whatever is yummy, whatever, you know, is positive to me in any practical way. Let's just call that good. Let's just call that beautiful. And all those things kind of get rolled together. And so it's pretty revolutionary for somebody like Plato to come along and say, no, actually the things of desire, the things that you merely want to have sex with and do all your other animal things with, they have their merits, but they're nothing besides the actually beautiful. We have to distinguish the actually beautiful, the spiritual, something that is objectively praiseworthy from whatever it is people you know, happen to want and need to live. Well, yeah, I think we can definitely, we can all say what ugly is. We can all say that pornography appeals to our most base instincts and that we can say pop music is audio pornography in some kind of way. That it's especially if the producers and whatnot are intentionally trying to make this appeal to the most number of people. And I guess if we want to start talking arty art, art, I would like to think that there is a level of self-expression that we both appreciate when we see in someone else, even if we don't like the art. We can appreciate it as opposed to something that was where mass market consumerism was the goal. And that's a thing that like you've got children. They can be fairly unsophisticated and they may, may like a book or a movie or something. And you're like, yeah, that's been done a zillion times. Hey, you see that one episode of that cartoon we like where that one person doesn't grow old, but they have a painting in the attic. It's like, yeah, that's 
It's picture Dorian Gray. It's been there, done that. You know, I see it with my kids all the time. They're cartoons or things that are just, and some do a very fun tongue-in-cheek job of it, and I appreciate it. So it could be like making it tolerable to you as an adult by making it that comparison. But if it's purely mining and you get no joy out of it, if you've already experienced the original, then that's a different thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, it's one of those things that I can't tell you what's cool. I can tell you what's uncool. That's easy. I think we can all, we all know what's uncool, but what is cool? That's, you know, more of a challenge. I think maybe we should do a scene that has to do specifically with coolness, with being cool regarding artworks, say. We certainly can. Something I'll talk about next week is this whole idea of we can also just find what the scene is about. You can also just be a cool person in random situation X. Does that make sense? Yes, but that does not serve my programmatic interests of exploring a particular idea. <laughs> As people, we are not. Let's get two more people to talk about this. But those would be our characters. Those would be our characters. I actually think I might have a different, let us devolve into a scene. <laughs> and we are two snakes. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sitting in the cage. How's it going there? Okay. Why, why are you talking to me? Because uh, you've heard about what's going on out there. What? This hand comes in with a stunned mouse. That's what's going on out there. What? I'd... The thing is, if you are not beautiful enough, they're going to eat you. This is not a zoo. Huh? What? You, you might have been used to being in a zoo, but this is like one of them. You see those people over out there? They got silverware at that table. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're in one of them tanks where we got to serve a purpose somehow. And so either we're going to be entertainment or we're going to be food. Well, I got some news for you, pal. What? I'm the sexiest snake in here, okay? So there's that. I'm not worried. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just not sure that that's the kind of beauty, that's the kind of entertainment they want. I mean, I can do this <laughs> like, you see my this, this shape that I got? I think that's uh -huh. like a, a J. Okay. So like they can... I'm giving them signs. I'm giving them something to do. I'm giving them something to read. And so they're definitely not going to want to eat me. Okay. You could do your thing. I'm going to sit here and bask on this rock and be super sexy and have my colorings and markings be both distinct and beautifully patterned across my body. They are that. I can't, I don't actually have color vision, so I'm not really, do you get color vision somehow? No, but I can tell the different shades and the distinct lines between shades. I'm beautiful. All right, I don't know. I don't know why this is difficult for you. Okay, I'm a beautiful snake. I'm a beautiful animal. And uh, that's it. I wish there were some more females in here. I haven't produced a clutch of eggs in a while, but uh, I could get with that. if. Uh... See, I think that's neglecting what's more important. If you're, if you're going to like go for that kind of trying to spread your seed across the land, I think that you're, you know, to actually be an entertainer like me, who's got the shape of the J, you got to give everything to that. You can't just, you can't just think, oh, I'm just in my nature beautiful. You got to do beauty. I uh, do let me beauty. Just say that. Okay, so you, you know what you're doing? You're just playing their game. You're just going right in. Hey, what, what can I do? How can I de-snake myself and put on these human clothes and do what humans do, you know? Why don't you just do it? Be, be, be the best snake you can. Now, I'm sorry, you're not going to be as beautiful as me or as powerful, but 
At least be a snake. Look, I'm doing an I'm doing an I now. Totally straight. I'm an I. I don't even know what those letters are. I don't even know what those letters are, okay? But like if you want to be a snake sellout, go for it, all right? I was hoping that you might actually do a letter too, because if we got are we still one talking? more snake, are we still talking? Then we could spell out Jim. I think that's the guy's name who makes the decisions. And I think if we could spell out a message to him, then he would understand that none of us are to be. Look, I'm going to roll my dice. Okay, you're just so confident that they're, that they're going to eat me and not you. Uh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, dude. I'll look in a mirror. All right, maybe. The kind that they'd like to eat would be the most succulent. Maybe they want to use your skin for something. Maybe they don't appreciate you in your natural state. Maybe they want to breed me with other snakes, okay? I'm willing to roll the dice. That's what I'm trying to say, okay? Okay, so there's Jim. That's that's who I'm mm-hmm. talking about. You see that? Sure. He brings the stunned mice over from time to time. But why is he, like, pointing at me and then pointing at you and then doing, like, a stick in donut does he know how to tell sexes of snakes i i feel like i mean maybe we gotta just i'm not into it i'm not saying i'm into it but i mean maybe we gotta put on a show for him i'm a fantastic love maker and i think you would be impressed all right what if we okay i'm betting that they don't even know what snake sex looks like we could probably just touch our tails just a little bit and then they'd be cool with that. You know what I'm hearing from you this entire time? I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm, <laughs> someone's going to eat me. Yeah. This yeah. whole time. This I am whole scared. Time, this whole time. Look, be a snake, all right? Fight. Bite. That's what snakes do. All right? Are you poisonous? Do you have poison? I don't know. Ooh, you got to figure that out. How do I know? Do you have fangs? Do I bite you? No. How about we just try that, and then they'll think that's snake foreplay, and then that'll probably put them off for at least a day, and then I'll get to see if I'm poisonous or not. I'm not putting on a show for these legged snakes. You just you just got to know these things, okay? All right. You just got to know these things. I'm pretty sure that if they were legged snakes, they would know what snake sex looks like. So maybe I got to reevaluate this. Um. Did you have light? Did you live in the jungle before you got here? I mean, no. I lived in a, another cage your whole life. Wow, that sucks. That really sucks. I lived in a jungle for for several several years. I think it's great. I had brothers and sisters, and some of them got taken home by real families, mm-hmm. and they got. I mean, I would hear occasionally from them. They would they would uh, send something on the on the through the through the snake mail. And mm-hmm. I would hear that they're all happy with their children. Or this one, mm-hmm. this, uh, uh, my cousin Larry, he got to be in like this house. This guy had way too many snakes. And I think they got to just like get out and they bit him and they poisoned him. And then they just like, they own, they run the house now. So. Wow. That sounds pretty cool. I was pretty disappointed to end up in this freaking restaurant with these yeah. snake eating pieces of crap. Well, let me just say, you're a goner, dude. Dead snake Slytherin. Should we just pray? Uh, again, with all these human trappings. I mean, <laughs> why don't we do something snaky? Snake gods, protect me. Don't protect this goon who does not understand the danger that he is in. Snake gods, I put a, put a zone of untouchability around me. And 
Yeah, that's about it. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to crawl under this detritus and curl up, because that's what snakes do. All right, well, I'm going to live in the moment, but I'm going to plan for the future, because that's what snakes do. Wow. Wow. Hey, good luck with that. I'm sure you go great with some Bernays sauce. And scene. All right. I was a cool snake. Yeah. I I, I kind of <laughs> forgot about the whole... Maybe that's a good thing. Lost in the moment. Overtaken by the scene, by the reality that's happening. You lost yourself and became that snake. I was concerned about this relationship between desirability and beauty. And I think mm. we got at some... It's a different deal when you're dealing with creatures who don't understand their audience. Sure. And maybe that's an interesting way to th- you know, think about... No artist really understands their audience. And unless the artist is there just explaining, this is how you're supposed to take it. And even then, the audience is not going to take it that way. That's propaganda, isn't it? You get like some ulterior motive or something, or you want people to feel a certain way, it gets a little propagandy, as opposed to, I guess, abstract expressionists might be the most abstract <laughs> kind of art. Like, you want people to understand what you're trying to do, right? You want people to understand the conventions you're using so they understand how to judge it. I don't think so. I really think in its most purest sense, and not saying that all art needs to be so pure or that things cannot be artistic without being this pure, but I think that there is something inside people that needs to get out. Man, it's going to come out through songs or poetry or music or painting or something, and there's something there. And I think sometimes it's not only is it something that wants to come out, I think it's played a lot, But it's someone who's trying something and testing something. My one famous artist name drop, Gerhard Richter. (laughs) He's still alive. I think he's probably like 90 or something. But he was doing some abstract expressionist stuff. And he's just painting a bunch of canvases gray and just seeing what would happen. And then he stood back and looked at them and noticed that some were better than others. And I thought that was a really interesting way of thinking about it. And is it the light that's on it? How, how is it that all these gray canvases, well, that one's certainly the best. And I don't know, I don't have an answer for that, but I dug it and thought it was a pretty cool thing. And I think that sometimes the artist themselves is on a journey, an exploration, and we're just observing their exploring. And if Mr. Richter knew how to make the best canvas colored in gray, well, he just would have done it. But he didn't, didn't know what would happen. So it's going on that journey that there's something in there. I guess I just feel like there should be a relationship between the kind of thing that you're doing. I mean, I guess anything can be taken as art, right? That's sort of one of the canons of avant-garde art. That you could just, like, close your eyes, listen to the sounds around you. That's art. Yeah, exactly. That there are patterns. Found objects. Yeah, exactly. Look at this old old tin can. It's art. Yeah. And some artists are aware of that and will deliver an old tin can to the museum and be like, eh, look at that's art. Ah, mm-hmm. Give me a lot of money for that. But for the most part, people are working within, even if they're trying to express themselves and they don't quite know what they're doing and they're doing some stylistic innovation, maybe to try to capture something that just can't be put into words or if they're doing it through words, maybe. There's- yeah. That raises its its own issues, but something about it transcends what you could just text to somebody. Well, people might say abstract expressionist is not art, or it's just a bunch of cubes, that's not art, you know, because it's not saying anything or whatnot. But we'd all agree that music without any lyrics, you know, we'll just get some Miles Davis. We'd all, you know, that's like, what is it trying to say? All I'm saying is we accept that as artistic. We don't question music without lyrics as not being 
artistic. Yet, if a painting suddenly doesn't have a clear message, well, then we question whether or not it's art. Well, actually, so not having a clear message has been seen as one of the things that makes it more pure art. Kind of going back to that point, and this is, I'll actually attribute this to Kant rather than Plato, but, you know, was somebody that insisted that there is that distinction between the bowl of grapes you want to eat and the bowl of grapes that is beautiful in a, in a painting because what you appreciate when you appreciate beauty, just like, you know, symmetry, I was saying before, is just forms, is just sure. forms and shapes. So instrumental music, shapes and forms, abstract expressionism or any painting that is not clearly representational, shapes mm-hmm. and forms. That's the most pure kind of aesthetic enjoyment that you have. Once it introduces subject matter, then you could be like, I don't like that. You know, it's a picture of a peasant woman. And you could be like, I, I don't like the look of that peasant woman. Or I don't like the fact that there were peasants. Or I don't, this is connoting Lord of the Rings to me with the, all its faux medieval garbage. And, <laughs> you know, it brings in a lot of things that are not strictly artistic. That are cultural. It could still be matters of taste, but sure. they're going to be, he wanted to wall off what art is in a hermetically sealed little space, which of course, then you can imagine that every philosopher after him was like, no, 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 we can't do that. We're embedded in cultures and we have to accept things in their messy complexity and they're going to be connotations that things have. And that's okay. That can be part of, in fact, you could give, there's no sharp distinction maybe between aesthetic criticisms of things and ideological criticisms of things. Like, I just don't like that you tried to do that. Not that you tried to do something and you didn't do it well. That would be sort of, I think, an aesthetic criticism. That that someone even attempted. Yes, but I just don't like that thing. And I hear that all the time. Like, I didn't like that movie, not because, like, it was incompetently done. I just don't like that kind of movie. I don't like that that has too much violence in it. That was mean-spirited. It was too preachy. There was something about it. Yeah, I think that's something that definitely gets my dander up, it's people I've met who are always thinking about the optics, always thinking about the politics, always thinking about ideology, and can't ever enjoy anything. I think it's a mental illness. I'm going to say it right there. This idea that people are so in their own minds that they must evaluate everything they take in as fitting into, does this support or go against my existing ideology or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And that just, we're getting a lot of that these days, the last 10, 15 years, all sides of the divide. And it's kind of annoying. It's exhausting. And I don't think it is in any way pure or positive. I'm not saying it's evil per se, but I don't think it's a recipe for human growth or happiness. So for improv, on the one hand, a lot of people (laughs) think about it as one of the most methodized art forms that there is. Like if you're talking specifically about comedy sports or whatever, or the fact that you can actually have a contest sure, and evaluate more clearly, like which improv group did the better job or something like that, that seems sure. to indicate that there are fixed rules of improv. There are techniques that you could be better or worse at. You could be just the talent is evident sure. in a way. But I get the feeling that your take on improv is much more like the avant-garde artist of, I'm going to do a thing that is self-expressive and nobody knows the rules anyway, and so I can kind of make them up as I go along and people should be free to take from that whatever they want. So, you know, a more open-ended... Yes, I will say comedy sports and theater sports, some of that competition is a little bit of a gimmick. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a get-you-in-the-door kind of a thing. It's kind of a hook. It's that, was it, 5-4-2-1 chord progression or, or six six five four. You go on the internet, and there's, there's one particular one, chord four, progression. Five. Is that it? That like, 
that's going to be a pop song. And just like, I don't even know music. I don't know music at all, but th- there are some people online who are like, oh, these famous, quote unquote, famous songs use the exact same chord progression and they're all poppy and annoying. Anyway, I would agree. And I would say that's like the biggest difference between short form and long form. Short form is like, whose line is it anyway for anyone out there? Little short games and things. What Mark and I have been doing, we'll call it long form, where we're not getting suggestions nearly as often and just kind of creating. I'll say this in the 40s and 50s when like bebop jazz became a thing. And it's like, man, this is crazy. This is, this is out there. This is, you know, 100 mile an hour trumpets and saxophones and making all kinds of crazy noise and no, no discernible rhythm to it. And that became jazz. But there are a lot of people who miss the big band jazz and miss the dance halls. And a new form of music was born, was essentially jazz you could dance to. And that was R&B. Mm-hmm. That was the start of R&B music. And I think when you think about art in general, you ask the question, can I dance to this? Is this something I can dance to? I think short form improv, comedy sports, that kind of stuff, very danceable. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's gross. That doesn't mean it's lesser than. It's just very danceable. And the same kind of way, we can go to an art museum and think about things the same kind of way or think about movies in the same kind of way. I thought Roger Ebert did a good job of saying, well, this movie, this was an art movie, and I understand if you don't appreciate it, but other movies, this is just a really fun movie that everyone's going to like. It's very danceable. You can dance to Steven Spielberg. Is it done well? Is it done poorly? Well, we can judge that on a different metric, but let's not, just because it's dance music doesn't mean it's bad music per se. Does that make sense? A little bit? It is. I mean, but it sounded like you were kind of getting at that the danceability becomes the ultimate standard of value. Well, sometimes people can try to be danceable or they can try to be undanceable on purpose. And that's when either side can be a little fakey, can be snotty or pandering. You know, if you're undanceable aggressively on purpose to be undanceable, maybe you're being a little snot. And if you're trying to be danceable to the point of, how do we make the most people dance? Well, the song's about, no, no, no. How do we make the, well, that's, that's pandering. I guess intent. Have you even mentioned intent yet? Did we just now, now, 40 minutes in, intent is now. <laughs> that's what I was trying to get at in terms of okay. the, how it's at least useful for the audience to know what kind of thing you're trying to create so that they don't think that you are trying to make dance music when in fact you are doing something totally different that either just happens to be danceable or sounds like it's trying to be dance music, but is failing. Well, I think people get fooled. And that's why there are some incredibly, quote unquote, popular songs that sell, make millions and millions of dollars that are so unagreeable to other, <laughs> to many other people. That's interesting. I see the ticker tape. I turned off the ding, but the ticker tape is coming out of the judge bot. So before we read this, and I don't care that this part mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily feed into the judge's decision. But is there even a point? I found this very helpful in terms of improv, seeing how how we were working. I went away a little unsatisfied with my snake, with the snake scene, because I wasn't (laughs) sure where it was supposed to go. There wasn't a clear way unless one of us said, oh, no, hands are coming down into the tank and taking one of us away. Like, that was the only way that it could have ended in, in the way different than it did. Well, maybe that's something we can work on next time. Okay. The what next moment is a real thing in long-form improv, and uh, we can chat about that next time. So, but I wasn't sure. So in other words, I'm very much thinking about improving the improv skills as we're doing this. But other than some comment that you made near the beginning where you said, what I just said reflects what you want to talk about today, but I didn't write that down. 
And I don't remember <laughs> what that particular point was. So te- just tell me what your... It was the fact you were making choices that were not just dialogue, not just word choices, You're making vocal choices, character choices. And you're certainly in that ballpark. What it was, what it was, the quick and dirty answer is you're an actor. Like it or not, if you're an improviser, you are an actor. And act, I guess, is the, is the lesson there. You don't need to be Robin Williams. You don't need to be huge, over the top, clownish, but you are performing for somebody. We're talking about art. Here we go. And that trusting that what you are and what you can do and your abilities are fine and good and you don't be afraid to act i guess is what what i'm going for Mm -hmm. here sometimes improvisers just just want to be smart or clever and aren't willing to kind of get their hands dirty emotionally again not that you need to go there not that we need to be maudlin or or every scene's got cancer in it but just act you're an actor there you go at some point i'm gonna feel that it's unlikely that anybody will be listening to the episode that we're currently doing unless they've already listened to a bunch of other episodes. <laughs> and then I will feel that it is a safe space that we've already shown that this show is funny enough. And so now I really can just try to be a cancer victim for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, but I'm not to that point. Yeah, yeah. Multiple. We're going to run out of body parts to have cancer by the time this, <laughs> this thing's over. You definitely, something with art and aesthetics. And what is that? And I know that's a kind of a classic, classic thing from philosophy of the ancients, I feel like. And there certainly were periods in Western thought where there would be artistic styles that were more popular than others. And, you know, you got your Dutch masters doing their still lives. And then that's followed up with the expressionists, you know, and I, or probably impressionists. And like, that's, I mean, it's probably, it's a heavy topic. Yeah. And philosophy, is it still heavy? Philosophy of art is still a significant thing. I don't know that it's the thing that beginner philosophy students get excited about or get introduced to right away, but it is, to me, one of the, you know, at least five big areas that we should be concerned with. Sure. And, and there's a lot of stuff, because it, it is close in some ways to ethics, to language, I was talking about sort of conventions of expression. There's a lot of rich stuff. You know, I end up using music as an example a lot for points totally unrelated to music. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of bullet points sort of down <laughs> in this general area, and I got to to say some of them specifically. It was a little ill-conceived, you know, it was conceived as sort of an introduction. And maybe I'll say a little more about the philosophical history in the in the post-game that only supporters who go to uh, philosophyimprov.com slash support will ever hear. And I will say, I have a challenge ready for you in that segment. Okay, so let's r- wrap up here. Let's, so the judge, bo- okay, so what it says is, other. Okay. So in other words, I guess the talk about all this tastes and music and stuff was not philosophy enough, and it was not improv enough. Other one. It's it's in the mind of the listener. That's where it lives. That's where it lives. The only meaning that exists, and the only meaning that is truly important is that in the mind of the listener. Wow, JudgeBot. JudgeBot's making art. On the piece of paper, though, that JudgeBot spit out, it has an asterisk that says, this is not in the mind of the listener, so I'm sorry. Wow, that's like... Judge Vought says you're wrong. Well, no, that's just like super... Wow, what I thought is now wrong? Amazing, Judge Vought. That's amazing. One step ahead of the viewer. One step ahead of the viewer. That's good art right there. That's fantastic. I feel like you're sucking up to try to get better scores in the future, and uh, good luck to you with that. <laughs> 
I'm spelling out an S with my leg right now. So that, uh, it's not yeah. one of the letters in Judge Bot, but, uh, you know. No, correct. I can only do an S. I can't do a J with my snaky leg. <laughs> All right. I enjoyed learning from you today, Bill. And I enjoyed learning from you, Mark, as well. Hope you enjoyed the show. Get more at philosophyimprov.com. If you want to support the show and not have to hear any more commercials and get our post-game segments where Bill and I and sometimes guests will elaborate on some things that came up in the episode, reflect on the future, and share our recommendations in the philosophy and comedy worlds, you can see options to do that at philosophyimprov.com slash support. Thanks. Baby, I